it sometimes is very difficult to then go right into preaching after a worship service like that. I've been praying that God would bring us a worship leader. Because sometimes I just want to worship and not feel the pressures and, and stressors of the musicality part of it. But I love worshiping and I love music and I love just what God does through music. But yet it still would be nice to have an awesome worship leader. Amen. Yeah, that's right. We started a series last week on bravery. And, uh, but before we get into that, you know, I, I wanted to encourage the congregation to stand up, stand alone, stand out, be different, be courageous. And when a person exhibits bravery, the dictionary actually says that it's courageous behavior or character. It makes you daring yet fearless. It helps you to become bold. And there's just this sense of heroism that comes along with bravery. As the ladies have continued to embark upon their 100-day journey of their devotional on what bravery is, I have read some of the devotions about walking alone, standing alone, understanding that there's a value in who you are. And yet, when I looked at the scriptures, I was so moved by so many of the characters that I actually thought I could speak on bravery and 52 weeks of courageous living and bravery because I think every character in the Bible stepped out because they were brave in their walk and their relationship with Jesus Christ. The Old Testament, they didn't know who Jesus was. They knew who God was. But they were brave enough to listen to the voice of God and to take a stand. And church, this morning, before I go into this message, I want to talk to you in a serious manner. Because I feel that it's very important to understand just the depth of where we're at in our Christian life today. What we have accepted as normal is abnormal, church. We have allowed some influences from the world to infiltrate our life. And we've said it's okay. Because God is love. God is love. But as I have studied this message and I understand the depth of God's love, I understand He loves us so much that He does not want to see us hurt. Do you hear what I'm saying? God loves us so much that He doesn't want to see us hurt. The illustration that comes to me is one where I start to notice the, the love of the father for his son, the love of a father for his daughter, 
the love of a mother that, that she loves that baby girl and that baby boy so much that I've heard parents say to me, I will give up my life for that child. Then why don't you just let that little boy or girl do wrong? Why don't you let that little boy or girl just run out in the road and get hit by a car? Come on, where's your trust and faith in God? Oh no, you would go after that little boy, baby girl, son, daughter, niece, nephew, grandchild, because you love them that much that you're there to protect them. And yet we as Christians don't understand the depth of God's love for us. And so we've accepted what is abnormal as normal. And yet God says in his word, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, make your mind set on things above, not things of this earth, but make your mind set on heavenly things. And he said, if you're going to seek righteousness and right living, that means you let go of sin in your life. So as your pastor... As your family member, as a friend, I'm here to tell you today, God hates sin. See what I mean? We have accepted so much in our lives that we've said, it's okay. And I'll tell you what's happened. You're afraid to stand Oh, really, preacher? You're going to go there with me today? No, I'm serious. Just as I'm afraid to stand for righteousness, but if God be for us, who shall be against us? And so if we're going to be Christians, and the Bible says that we're supposed to live like Christ, then we need to take a stand for righteousness. And it brought me to this character. His name was Noah in a time when there was so much sin, so much corruptness that was going on that God looked on man and on this earth and said, I'm destroying all of you. But what set him apart? What set Noah apart? As a little boy, I was always moved by the, this song. And let's just, I think it's just kind of fitting. Let's just listen to just a clip of it. Are you ready? Maybe this will bring back some things about you remembering the life of Noah. Shine and give God the glory, glory, rise and shine and 
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I think my family was the only one that knew that song. Because you're all looking at me like, okay, preacher, we have no clue where you're going with this song. So as I was thinking about this message, I, I thought to myself, man, this is kind of cool. Because the Lord told Noah, he better build an arky, arky. And so today my message is titled, Bravery in the Arky. Just kidding. So, anyhow, let's pray. Father, we just pray that you'll bless this message this morning. And, and Lord, speak through me. Hide me behind the cross and help us, Father, to turn away from sin so that you will hear us and heal us, as your word says. God, speak to all of us this morning. Move and stir within our spirit. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. At a burning building in New York City, in the Harlem district, a blind girl was perched on the fourth floor window. And the firemen had become very, very desperate. They could not fit the ladder truck between the buildings and they could not get her to jump into the net which she, of course, could not see. Finally, her father arrived and he shouted through the bullhorn that there was a net and that she was to jump on his command. What happened? That girl jumped and was so completely relaxed that she did not break a bone or even strain a muscle in that four-story. Why? Because she trusted her father completely. When she heard her father's voice, she did what he said to do and trusted him to help. Isn't it amazing? You, you have these little babies and you throw them up in the air. And they, they first of all go, ah! but when they notice that you'll catch them. All of a sudden, their faith increases in you. And you say to that little boy, that son, daughter, whatever, I'm going to throw you in the air. And sometimes it's kind of crazy because um, they're so trusting. But can you imagine? Come here, Lindsay, let me throw you in the air. Where's that trust factor? And she smacks and breaks some bones and she's hurt. And, and the question is, would we trust in a father or mother like that? Would Lindsay trust me ever again? No. But what they do is they come back and they say, hey, Dad, can we do that again? And I'm like, sure, because I caught them. They know my voice. Bible even says, even the sheep, when they hear his voice, they know him. Noah is that type of man. It is for the reason that Noah is called a just and a righteous man. In a few minutes, we'll be reading out of Genesis chapter 6. Noah believed God, even though he did not fully understand. He trusted God. For it is God who takes 
ordinary men and gives them an extraordinary task in order to show his greatness. You see, it is God who takes ordinary men, gives them an extraordinary task in order to show his greatness. There's a common statement that says, a person seldom rises far above the average goodness or sinks far below the average wickedness of the age in which he lives. Most fall in the middle with some who would press to the extremes. Like what John Maxwell says in his book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, calls this the law of the lid. The height to which one rises or falls is in proportionate to the society which one lives. Isn't that interesting? Let me say it to you again. The height to which one rises or falls is proportionate to the society which one lives. Everybody has a different story. You don't understand. You know, one of the things that I've loved so much lately is uh, I can't wait till Tuesday or Wednesday. And sometimes I, you know, go out of my way and plan this romantic dinner for my wife. And we break out the candles, the soft music, and then we have to shut it down. And because I call her up on the phone and say, I'm going to provide lunch today. I know you're excited. Would you like something from Chipotle? And she says, sure. So I get her her, her burrito bowl without the burrito part of it, and I get my three tacos, and we go home and we sit down and we watch America's Got Talent. That is a romantic date, isn't it? And sometimes I sit there, and I'm like, why did they just show that act? Sometimes I sit there, and I'm I'm crying because I'm so moved because of their stories. But do you hear what John Maxwell said in his book? Because everybody has a different story. And every story is different. And we measure life differently. So what is extreme for one may not be extreme for another. I mean, I grew up in, in, in the city, in a huge city with 12 people out in Edentucky. I mean, the influence of all those My life was totally different. I mean, we played with cat poop underneath. That's where I made my roads underneath the porch. I mean, come on now. You guys are jive. We we loved it. See, the great part about having outside cats is when they do that, and I'm here to tell the story, did not die because of that. But you just move it aside. You see how that works? And then you make your trucks and your, it didn't kill me, didn't kill my brother. Great to have him and Ildi here today and uh, all the way from Florida. But it didn't kill me and Tracy. Hey, when you get a little upset with a little bit of cat poop, it's okay. It won't kill you. It helped us become better. But let me give you an illustration. Some of you are looking at me going, that is disgusting. That is gross. And I can't believe you ever did that. We all laugh. And uh, but reality is this. When you have earth movers, you know, just how to move all that stuff to an area where it just doesn't even bother you anymore. See how that works. My Tonka trucks worked out great that time. But let me show you my daughters. They didn't have that understanding. We've had concrete driveways. We've had landscaping. It's totally different than growing up in Edinburgh, Ohio. And so for us, I mean, even though I would tell them go outside, play in the dirt, and enjoy this time together, the, the, the measure of their upbringing and their life was totally different. So when I watch America's Got Talent, Becky and I, I sometimes I'm, I'm so saddened. 
And, and I said, man, listen to their story. I mean, they were abused. That's an orphan. And, and some of them will say, you know, what are you going to do with that million dollars when you win it? And they'll say, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to help this group. And I'm going to do, you know, everybody can say what they're going to do until you have a million dollar check. Then all of a sudden it just changes the whole perspective of life. And so when, when I looked at what John Maxwell was saying, we're looking at a time of knowing everybody's like, oh, what a sweet little story. Here's a man who was righteous, who loved God, God loved him, and we understand that there was, you know, a hardship that was going on, sin was taking place, all of this was going on, and all of a sudden he said, build an arky arky. And all of a sudden he built an ark, and, but what many of you do not understand is that it never rained, ever. So his faith, I mean, could you imagine if all of a sudden I said to our church, we're changing this building because God spoke to me, and now it's going to become this big, huge ship. Now, I will tell you that many of you will leave, and you will say that pastor has lost his mind. What has happened with him? I'll give you an illustration. When we were at the Core Cultural Center, we all walked in this building, and for some of you that were here will understand this, that when we walked in, some said to me, Pastor, you can't do this. You understand we don't have the offering, the tithe, to uh, you know, substantiate that. At that time, Leslie was our treasurer. She and I, we did everything by faith. And there were some that said, well, I won't be a part of that journey. You just can't do that. Listen, if we're going to take a bold step, And if we were made for bravery, each and every one of us, then you look at that person and say, with God, all things are possible. We can't do it in our own power and in our own will. Listen, did you did you not think for just a minute? What would people think if I did this as the pastor and led them there? And then all of a sudden we failed in my leadership. Where would that trust be? Now, let me give you a whole other dynamic before we go into Genesis 6. That's what was happening with Noah. Noah was in a time, and it was disgusting. As women were lying with giants, they were lying with, with men, men with men. There was so much sin going on, God was disgusted. So because of all that going on, do you think for just a minute just the pressure and the stress and the anxiety that came on Noah at the time thinking, these people are going to admit me. And then on top of it, God tells me by the dimensions, I want you to build a boat that's this big, this tall, this wide, this many. The door's got to be this wide and all that kind of good stuff. And then all of a sudden, in his bravery, he says, stop. You guys are doing it wrong over there. I've got to bring the animals here from all around. And everybody's looking at him going, now he's really lost his mind. He's bringing what here? Well, you see, because of the, the time that they were in, there was so much sin that, listen, you can't walk in sin and hear the voice of God. You can't walk in sin and hear the voice of God. Now, here's a, this is a serious message today because we have a tendency to just play and to dabble in sin and say that it's okay. And we justify our actions. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. 
I'm going to stand alone. We won't stand alone. We won't stand up because we become the minority instead of the majority. And the world is screaming a lot of nonsense out there today in America. And we are sitting back as a church because that's the majority. But if you look at the statistics, there are more Christians than, they, than there are lost people. And they're not doing anything. Because, you see, we come to church and we practice our Christianity on that Sunday morning. And, and you heard me preach about it. Coming together, it says, we're two or more gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. We come together, and really, church is for discipleship and edification to understand that we have to spread the gospel. And so here is Noah in a time when he was looking around thinking, everybody's, they're, they're not going to trust me. They're, they're living this life. They don't know who God is. And, but yet, here's what's cool about the story. Who trusted him? Oh, that's right. His children trusted him. Because he never disappointed them. He never let him down. And when he threw him in the air, he was there to catch him again. And when he threw him in the air, he was there to catch him again. But he identified with what was going on, and he had a relationship with Almighty God. You see, church, we can sing songs of reckless love and say that we want his power. We want his glory. We want to sense and have that relationship with him. I told my nephew yesterday morning, you have to understand, Mitch, that what's so cool about your journey is understanding that you have a savior. A savior means possessive, means that he becomes a part of who you are. It's not just speaking of a being or someone or something. Jesus Christ becomes your savior. So people will believe in your story, believe in a story of hope because of your Savior. And the same thing took place with Noah. They believed in Noah, those that followed him in his family, because they trusted him when the rest of them said, please do something with that man. He's lost his way. And as you heard me say, even the animals heard the voice of God. And he marched them Two by two into the ark. Was it courageous of Noah? Was it brave of him to take that bold step and say, I'm going to build an ark? What is an ark? I'm going to do something profound and I'm stepping out by faith. So we look in Genesis chapter 6 and I just wanted to, to, to kind of highlight this for you today. And uh, I'll be reading out of the King James Version this morning. I have a ton of notes in here, and I will stick with my notes, but it's just easier for me to follow. And, uh, but listen closely. In chapter 6, it said, and he starts to talk about the wickedness of mankind. And it came to pass when man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man. My spirit shall not always strive with man or abide with man. For that he, is, he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. You see, the Bible says there were giants in the earth those days. That's a whole other story because it's actually mighty ones or fallen ones 
in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. In verse 5, it says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of this heart was the only evil continually. And he repented the Lord, made him sad that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. It upset him. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. For it is awful. It repenteth me. It disgusts me that I have made them. But I love verse 8. But watch this. In the midst of all of this going on, God starts out by saying in verse 8, but Noah found grace. Noah found favor. In the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a good man. And perfect. The word perfect there actually means blameless. He was blameless in his generations and Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Go ahead. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and you shall pitch it. Within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt you make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shall uh, you set it in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt you make it. Behold, I, even I, to bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh. When is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant and you shall come into the ark and you and your sons and your wife and your sons wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female of fowls after their kind and of cattle and of their kind and of creeping things of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto you to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. So Noah did what he said according to all that God commanded him, so did he. He was a man of obedience. Now I want to show you something. Now, because I just gave you all that for all of you awesome math, mathematicians in the room, you know what cubits are. You know the depth, the height, the width, and all that kind of stuff. So a couple of weeks ago, we decided as a family to go down to um, the Ark Encounter. I want to show you a picture. Here's a picture of the Ark that's actually there. Now, isn't it, isn't it amazing when you look at it? This is a picture that I took on my phone just to show you just how massive that ark was. Now, as, as many of you know, it's always fun to do some crazy stuff with uh, your camera. And so I had one of my daughters take a picture. Go to the next slide. There we go. And there I am holding up the ark. And uh, 
I know at that point I look like I'm 295 pounds, look like I've been lifting weights for quite some time. And, uh, but I just wanted to show you that's them standing far back, but you're able to see just how massive. And when you're standing there, believe it or not, there are actually people that are standing down here. Look at the umbrellas. I mean, there are people, see the people standing? And then you realize just how massive the ark actually was. Watch this. Go to the next slide there, if you would, please. Isn't that amazing? Look at the people standing there. So I got, you know, to, to the back of the boat, the bow, I think is what they call it. And uh, as I was standing there, I couldn't help but take in just how powerful and mighty that this ark was. So as I stood there, I thought, that is faith. That's true faith. That a man who never knew what a flood truly was, didn't understand what was going to take place, but built something. And so they built this ark to scale of what it says in the Word of God. And so, you can just leave it right there if you would, please. One of the, the cool parts about seeing this was for me was knowing that he stepped out in bravery. Despite what people said, despite what they thought, he built something that people thought, this is crazy. And when I say that, people do not understand that there was no rain, there wasn't a storm, nothing. The earth had a firmament around it, and the Old Testament talks of three different, which would be the firmament that was around the earth, and then the universe, the clouds, and then the heavens is another firmament. So when you look at it, as soon as the flood came, that's when it all melted, and the flood you know, the waters melted upon the earth because God, it says God was disgusted with sin. And so the outcome of it was they were spared. Noah's family was spared. But why is it that God shows us signs? God reveals himself to us and yet we don't listen. You know what we say? Oh, that was just coincidental. That was the voice of reason. No, that was God. He placed that situation in your life, in your path. There was a crossroad so that, that you could see God and experience him for yourself. After the flood came, Noah was probably like, wow, I'm so glad. After a hundred years, I'm, I'm just so thankful that, you know, I heard the voice of God. We say, oh, in our Christian life, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. I have faith. I know it. I believe it. But do you believe in something you can't see? Pastor, I've been hurt in the church. Pastor, I'm broken. I'm never going back. Oh, don't give up on God. You can give up on me. You can give up on man. But don't give up on the one that loves you and is there for you and is your provider, your protector, the one who cares for you. In Genesis 6, 5, it says, And the Lord saw a great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. 
The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found what? He found favor, he found grace in the eyes of of the Lord. But there's a difference between Noah and his peers, and I have just three points this morning legal standing, spiritual character, and his outer walk. It made a difference. I won't expound, we, we won't stay there long, and I'll move quickly through this. But as we look into the scripture, chapter 7, Noah enters the ark, the flood takes place. In chapter 8, the waters recede. And the raven and the dove are sent out, you know, to bring back just a branch. And that's when he realized that he and his family could actually leave the ark. And then because Noah understood just how awesome God was, God told him to go build an altar. And so Noah gets out. And the first thing they do is they pay. They they make an, an altar. And they give up a sacrifice to God. Because he understood what the covenant was. He understood the depth of love that God had for him. Can you imagine? I mean, I I was just thinking when the rain started coming and all of a sudden water started filling up. Had they had windows in that place? Can you imagine The crowds and the people that were coming to try to get in that boat. Can you imagine when Noah was pleading with his loved ones and he said, listen to me. You have to listen to me. God spoke to me and you must get on the boat. No, you've lost your mind. We get those little three-dimensional books and we open them up and we tell our children the story of Noah and the ark. But for me, when I looked at that three-dimensional book of Noah and the ark, and as I turned those pages, they failed to put in that book the people that were left outside. The Bible says you won't know the time nor the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. And if you have loved ones, listen, he's coming back and i will also tell you that god is not pleased with the way america is today or this world i got up this morning and i'm preaching this message to say that i think i put myself in mind of noah this is a difficult message to preach and by the end you'll understand what i'm saying because i will give you a thought And I will ask you to stand in bravery like you never have had to do before. And it may not be something you feel is popular. It may not be something you feel is, oh, well, I don't believe that way. I don't care what you believe. I care what the Word of God has to say. We all have an opinion. Our opinion doesn't matter. But the Word matters. And so if I look at this text, and I'm so challenged in my own life to think, am I in in right standing with God? Do I take, 
a stand against sin or do I compromise my stand for righteousness? Noah was a sinner whose faith in God made him justified before God. It is his faith in God that helps him find favor in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham was such a man. He was a lot, a lot of the same way, heard the voice of God, was going to, to make a sacrifice. And, and yet God in his, his mercy and his grace showed that same love. Righteous and blameless does not mean sinless, just forgiven. Realizing that we're just forgiven in him. Number two. Number one was legal standing. Number two, spiritual character. Know he's righteous in regard to his heart. It is because of his heart was right with God that he is by nature born again by grace. You see, when your heart is right with God, the favor of God is upon your life. His peers are alienated by ignorance and hardness of heart. As were the people in Nineveh. There were those who did not know their right from their left, did not know right from wrong. Jonah had a job to preach the gospel, to call out sin for what it is. That's not popular. Hardness of heart has to do with knowing God's decrees but not following them. You ready? Hardness of heart has to do with knowing God's decrees but not following them. Oh, I know when people have a hard heart. Because they've turned their face, their back, everything on God. Is that you? Have you fallen away? Because you have a hard heart. Romans 1.18 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Verse 19 says that, What may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's Romans. That wasn't me. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Today we can know all righteousness. We can know all God's decrees. We can know all knowledge that can fathom all mysteries. But if we do not accept the grace of God, we have nothing and we are alienated from God. His righteous judgment is going to come. And each and every one of us will be found short of his glory. I know there are those who preach that God will send strong warning before his judgment will fall finally again on this earth. There once was a man who lived in a town that experienced a severe flood. As the waters began to rise, a police car came to, the, to warn the man to flee. Not to worry. God will save me, the man replied. The waters soon rose above the man's porch and a patrol boat came by. Get in, they called. Get in. Not to worry. God will save me replied the man. Soon the water rose up to the man's roof. He climbed out on the roof and a helicopter came by and the pilot said, grab the rope, they shouted. Oh, don't worry. God 
will save me, the man replied. A short time later, the man drowned. He appeared before God and said, why didn't you save me? God said, I sent the police, a boat, and a helicopter. What more did you want? God sent some strong warnings in the day of Noah. Noah warned the people. In plain sight, he built the ark. But when time came to close the door, it was too late. So will it be too late when the Lord returns to rapture his church? Will it be too late for many of us to say, okay, Lord, here I am. Use me. Last point, and then we're done. His outer walk. Like Enoch, Noah walked with God. His daily life was a testimony to his walk. He walked with God. Even though no one else did, he still did. His contemporaries, his peers walked in defiance of God's ways. How many of you have heard these excuses? It reminds me uh, of our life today. And we always try to excuse ourselves. Oh, I know what's wrong, but. How about this? That's okay. God will forgive me. That's okay. God understands. He'll forgive me. God knows me and knows I can't help it. Or, ready for this? As a pastor speaking to people, they'll look right at me and go, who cares? I just don't care anymore. I just don't care anymore. Oh, but you will care. Because you see, you as a parent, you as a loved one, you don't let your children get out of hand. You don't let your pets get out of hand. Go ahead. Just let the pets just tear up your house. It's all right. Let them just go to the bathroom everywhere, eat up your furniture, chew up your shoes. It's okay. We love having animals in the house. Let them just be unruly. No, God's not like that either. He doesn't let us just continue in sin. It says, what? The grace may abound. Don't continue in sin. So I say this in closing. Today, people would rather... Believe a lie, then give in to the truth. They would rather gamble on a lie than give themselves over to be accountable to God. The rain clouds of judgment are coming, church. The warning has been sounded. Are you ready to give in to God? Or are you ready to drown in judgment? Being brave. Being brave. In chapter 9, verse 8, it says this, God's covenant with Noah. And you can follow with me, and then we'll conclude. God spake unto Noah, and to his sons with him, in verse 8 of chapter 9. And I behold, I established my covenant with you, and with your seed after you. Isn't that amazing? With the seed after you, because he told him, be fruitful and multiply. And with every living creature that is with you, and the fowl of the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all the flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. 
For now I will set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. I will bring a cloud over the earth, and the rainbow will be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the rainbow shall be in the cloud. And I will look upon it and I, will, I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark. Were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah. And of them was the whole earth overspread. I'm going to leave it with you there. Church, do we stand up? Do we stand out with our coworkers? Are we brave? This morning, I'm going to tell you about my little Ark Covenant, and then I'll close. As a little boy, I knew I was called at 15, and I knew God called me, and I would stand out, I would stand strong, I would be bold, and I would make a stand that I didn't care what people thought, I didn't care if they, they rebuked me, I didn't care if they beat me up, I didn't care what they did to me, I was going to take a stand for Christ, and nothing was going to stand in my way, and I, I would tell people, you know what, what you're doing is wrong, you need to turn your life around, and it didn't bother me. But here I am, 48 years old, and I was standing in the store at the Ark Encounter. Now listen, church, because I want you to hear this. And I was challenged to be courageous, and I was challenged to be bold. And I stand before you today, letting all of you know that I disappointed God because I didn't take a stand to be bold. And I'm sorry for that because there was a shirt that was there that sometimes I just don't like confrontation. I don't like to argue. If I have to, I will. And there was a time when, when it didn't matter to me. I would stand in the middle of Walmart. I would stand in the middle of a parking lot. But I think what has happened to so many of us, we've gotten so tired that we don't have that will to fight anymore. But yet the truth is still the same. And it never changes. And so God made an everlasting covenant. And you're driving down the road as we all did this past week. And it's just storming and, and the sun's shining. We looked over to the right and there was a couple rainbows over here. There was one over to the left on the interstate. And I remember my mom teaching us when we were little that rainbow is a covenant to say it won't flood again. That was his promise. That was his agreement. But church, I'm just like you. I'm just like the world. And so I saw this t-shirt. And I stood and I deliberated if I should get this shirt. Because our world 
has adopted something that's not theirs. And this is what the shirt reads. It says this. Go ahead and show it. Taking back the rainbow. I took that picture. That was me standing in that place. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody that's listening, you can hear this message on Facebook. I love sinners and I hate the sin. And I'm sick and tired of the world adopting what God set forth in His Word. And I'm here to stand today to say the LGBTQ movement has no right to take the rainbow and it's nothing to be proud of. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm taking a stand today because it's more about God than it is about this world. And I did not say that I hate that movement. I love all people as much as God does. But at Christmas time, we brought in Santa Claus to replace the one that was the Savior, and his name is Jesus. We brought in the Easter Bunny to replace the one that resurrected from the grave to give us life and to give us hope. And now we've accepted the rainbow for the movement of the world and said it's okay and it's not. And I'm convicted over it. And so here we are today in a church to say, I love people. I have family members. But listen. You cannot accept what is abnormal as normal. What happened to Noah was profound. It says in the Word, it's abomination. I've been here for a lot of years. And that's one thing that I don't preach on much. It's a homosexuality movement. You know why? Because I don't want to be classified as a hater. I'm not a hater. I'm a lover. I'm a lover of Jesus. And I love everybody of all walks of life. But we're afraid to say something because all of a sudden we've now been put into a category of, oh, there's another one of those Christian haters. And I want the world to know that is something that Todd Tackett is not. I'm a lover of everyone that walks this earth, but I will take a stand for what is right. Because you see, in the Word it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We have bowed a knee to the enemy, and we need to stand up for our Savior. So church today, I stand humbled. And I stand ashamed. Because I didn't buy a shirt that would cause controversy. I didn't wear something because I felt that it would cause an argument. But isn't that just like the enemy? Why not wear something that you can spread the gospel of grace to all mankind? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believes in him would not cherish, but have everlasting life. He loves the world, and he gave his life to give all of us hope, every last one of us. So Christian, are you standing up? Are you standing out? Are you being brave? I hope you can say yes. This week I've been brave. Because there's times in my life I feel like I haven't been brave. And I'm ashamed of that. So as we stand to our feet, and as we just stop and we reflect and we go to the Lord in prayer, as we conclude in this service this morning, how brave are you? How courageous are you? And it said that Noah found favor with God. Wow. If God be for us, who shall be against us? Who are you standing with? The Bible says in Romans 12, too, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. For that which is that good and acceptable and perfect will of all mighty we all have hang-ups, hurts, and habits. We just have to go before the cross. We have to go before the Lord and give it to Him. Father, we thank You that today, wow, Lord, I've, I've disappointed You. I've let You down. Why is it I can't take a stand for the covenant and rejoice in what You've done for all of us? you love this world but father this world is in the same condition and situation as it was thousands of years ago we have accepted the abnormality of life as normal God you you've known my heart since I came to know you at nine you said that you fashioned me you formed me in my mother's womb you knew me at conception as much as you know each and every one of us. But God, help us to stand for what is right. You even told the nation of Israel, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then you will hear from heaven and you will heal the land. Oh God, heal this land. Help us to turn from wickedness and heal this land. Help us to be courageous. Help us to be brave. Help us to stand out. To stand up. And like Noah, stand alone. In your name we pray. Amen.